Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 232nd episode of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins, and joining me tonight, as always, a dig route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. I can dig that, but based on our last episode, the way we ended it, you are no longer the professor, you are third-party Perkins. So, um, yeah, glad to be here, uh, glad to preview uh, these uh, these games here. I'm looking to continue my hot streak. I was 4-1 and one back-to-back weeks. Of course, of all teams to screw my undefeated record, it was Georgia. Go figure, right? You deserve it, Coach. So, yeah, yeah probably so. <laughs> well, we can't get started without the third me going the second city. A man who is a bad case of the breakfast zoomies. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. Yeah, you know, our dog, uh, she's been struggling a little bit with some breakfast issues, but I think we've got it under control the last few days. But, you know, I got to do it, Matt. How about... Dun, 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 A president Did was elected, and as you all know, we selected the winner because we're great at making picks, and I'm keeping this really generic because we don't want to offend anybody, plus we're recording it on a Monday. <laughs> we are recording on a Monday before. So, um, Josh, so we it's will, okay. It, you, can, you can tell the world that we won. So we will insert that Donald Trump re- won his re-election, or... Joseph Biden is now the 46th president. (laughs) In that case, um, congratulations to the winner of the presidential election for being a white septuagenarian. Anyhow, as you guys all know, congratulations. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Does our country have a diversity problem, Matt? What are you implying with that? Uh, uh, Josh, Josh, as uh, third party Perkins, a.k.a. 3PP. Uh, I have uh, I have no say in this. Very good, very well. Anyhow, um, as you guys know, football is back in full swing, and even though you may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline.ag. Guys, not only has college football back been for been back for a while now, but now we are finally into the week where the Pac-12 is back. So quickly, Coach, who do you think Pac-12 is going to win the Pac-12 this season? Oh my gosh! Um, I don't even know where to start on this one. Um, well, we know it's not gonna be Arizona. <laughs> well, it's not gonna be Georgia. probably not gonna be. We Washington. know it's not gonna be or or Washington State or Oregon or State. Colorado. Probably not, probably not Arizona or State. The Buffs probably not Arizona State. Although they they could they could be a little pesky. Probably not Oregon State. Um, yeah, I said them. Probably not Oregon State. Um, so I'm gonna go with either. Oregon, Utah, or SC. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going one of those three teams. I could I could throw a dart on any one of those teams and, and say that's who I want. Oregon and so, SC are both at plus one eighty. Utah is at plus eight hundred. Josh, how do you feel? Well, here's the problem with the whole COVID stuff and messing up schedules and practices and all that. You sort of want to take a team with continuity and. Well, Oregon's breaking a new quarterback, so there's an issue. 
Utah's breaking in a whole bunch of new players. There's an issue. USC has Todd Helton for continuity, and it's a lot of talent back also. However, he did a major restructuring of his staff, including bringing in a new special teams coordinator and a few other things. So, a new so defensive coordinator in Todd Orlando. It's, and a new defensive coordinator, exactly. So it's it's really tough to pick. This, Chip Kelly. Yeah, this might, be the, this might be the hardest league to pick. Since all of the top contenders lack the continuity you'd like to see, I'm going to take the team that at least has the quarterback situation I like the most, and that is USC. So I'm going to take the men yeah, of Troy. I'm going to take the men of Troy, but I don't see, I don't see this conference producing a playoff contender. I think they're just going to beat up on each other too much again. Guys, yeah, it's bad. I'm yeah. going with the coach I trust the most. Herm Edwards, Justin Wilcox, and Cal. Ooh, okay, right. so I like it. But no matter who your team is, I like it from. From game spreads uh, to totals uh, and everything in between, uh, you can get it, find it all over at betonline.ag, team player coaching props, no matter what it is. Uh, plus, there's always the online casino as well. You might even catch Josh playing some blackjack, coach playing some poker. You never know. Either way, it never closes. You, you, you probably won't catch me playing poker. That's just more. You might as well just say I'm donating. <laughs> True, true story, you guys. I mean, Coach is, in in all respect to Sean Connery, Coach is the slickest I've ever seen at a casino. He's usually wearing a tuxedo. He's usually playing baccarat for about a million dollar hand. It's, it's some, it's a sight to behold. It's that believe money right there. Yeah, it's uh, Josh uh, and Coach. I'll send that right baccarat at you. Oh, um, oh, head on oh. over. I, I gotta, I gotta go. Oh, I six minutes in, I six right, minutes in, I gotta go. I, I've got plans. Head right. on, <laughs> it, Josh, it is ten forty one central currently. I know your plans are to either go to bed or to take your dog out for a walk. So, um, I was either way, before through you, an episode of Top Gear while eating dinner, I'll have you know. Uh, before either way, before you do that, head on over to betonline.ag to take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag to sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Gents, we are here in week 10, which is also week one for the Pac-12, week like 1.5 for the Mountain West. What about and the week Mac? Negative, negative one for the Mac. They're back. Um, Guess who's Mac? Mac is back. The Mac. Mac is back. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not Mac a Mac is back, Jack. I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist, but uh, I believe the Mac came back about the same time that the McRib was announced to be coming back. So, um, <laughs> I learned something interesting recently. The quarterback from Miami of Ohio is Blaine Gabbert's brother. Are you sure it's not just Blaine Gabbert wearing a Groucho Marx glasses? <laughs> That would be amusing. I would actually very much enjoy that. Um, but no, it's uh, it's Blaine Blaine's little bro is uh, playing quarterback for Miami of Ohio these days. But um, he's got big shoes ha- to fill. Literally, Miami of Ohio's best quarterback of all time was Ben Roethlisberger. So um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, he and he does wear large shoes. I think he's like a size sixteen. So. Um, Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, let's get, though, first and foremost, to the biggest game of the weekend, and that's not Clemson-Notre Dame. 
It is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Coach, uh, another year, another rivalry renewed. Georgia, Florida, the game's taking place in Jacksonville. Tell mm-hmm. us about it. Well, Georgia's going to have to get well and get well soon. I mean, missing Jordan Davis, missing Richard LeCount, uh, just completely beat up. Uh, Quay Walker is beat up. And a whole bunch of whole bunch of guys are just banged up, beat up. Uh, going to have to figure out the quarterback situation. You know, Florida's definitely got the upper hand in that with Kyle Trask. Going to have to figure out a way to stop the Kyles. Uh, Trask and Pitts going to have to figure out a way to to guard Kadarius Tony. Going to have to figure out a way to limit their passing game to where we force them to have to use their running attack, which we know Florida's rushing attack is not great they're not stellar so um you know just a lot of question marks uh, and i think for the first time since kirby's got there we've had a lot of question marks in this matchup and uh and some of those question marks are coming on the defense what what kind of depth do we have we're gonna we're gonna truly figure that out so um i, I think it's gonna have to be you know you're gonna have to get more than just um running the ball you know 3,700 times like you did against Kentucky. I think you're going to have to be more dynamic to have a chance against a team like Florida. You're going to have to, I mean, you're going to have to probably do something you haven't done, enter a shootout. And and that that might be how you have to beat Florida. And so you got to be prepared for that. They're, you know, they're scoring 29 points per game. That ain't going to cut it against Florida, who's scoring 42. Um, and uh, Florida's uh, average per game allowing is right on your average of scoring. So, uh, and then Georgia's averaging only giving up 16 points a game, but you have a beat up defense. So something's got to give here, but Georgia's got to convert some of these yards, these 404 yards per game into points, which they're not doing. You know, they get the ball down in the red zone, they turn it over. That's happened twice now uh, in back-to-back games. They've gotten the ball down in the red zone. Stetson Bennett throws one into the, into the big mitts of a defensive lineman, gets it picked off for, for no points. And actually turns out to be a seven-point swing the other way. So can't do that. Can't help him with turnovers. Uh, Stetson hasn't taken care of the ball. He's had five interceptions in the last two games after doing so. After doing a great job of taking care of the ball um, in, in the previous two. Uh, against Bama and against Kentucky, he's thrown three and two picks at, uh, respectively. So uh, this matchup's going to really come down to the line of scrimmage, um, as it always does. Who's going to win the line of scrimmage? Can they can they protect Trask? Can they pick up blitzes? Um, Alabama won the battle uh, up front, and therefore they won the battle on the scoreboard at the end of the game. The same the same rings true in this matchup. Can Georgia get pressure on Trask? Can Georgia protect their quarterback? Whoever's playing quarterback? Can Georgia figure out the quarterback situation? Those are all keys. Um, what is the receivers going to do? What what is the receiving core going to look like? How how are the running backs going to get involved? You know they you know Florida's fairly stingy against the run. They're averaging only allowing one hundred thirty three point eight yards, uh, or one hundred thirty three yards rushing allowed um, against opponents. So that's no you know that's not easy. Um, it's not it's not a eighty yard per game. Uh, rush allowed by you know that Georgia has and brings it to this game. So, you know, win the battle up front. You know, I, I said all that to say win the battle up front, and and I think that's that's how you're going to get your victor. Yeah, I think for Georgia, you know, their defense, even though banged up, 
is still schematically so well coached and so talented that maybe they do stifle Florida up. But I, I'm with Coach. I, I think that Georgia's best chance is to somehow find a way to have an offensive explosion, a timely offensive explosion, something like they kind of got against Tennessee. Where they had 44 points. You hired but, a, you, you hired a yeah. guy to do it. Now let's go do yeah. it. The, the problem is just, you know, JT Daniel, coach mentioned it last time, maybe as a setback, we don't know. Why has he not seen the field? And Stetson Bennett, let's, you know, let's be fair. He's, he's kind of playing like a second or third stringer for a reason because he was entering the year as a third stringer. Um, he wasn't expected to be in this situation. He performed admirably in the Auburn and Arkansas games, but as there was more tape on him, he played well against Tennessee as well, but as there was more tape on him, we've seen his numbers really fall off. And, uh, you know, I just think Florida is the more complete team right now based on the injuries and especially at quarterback. So I think Florida State, not only do they cover this spread, I think they cover it because they win outright. I'm, I think the Gators finally get that monkey off their back. First time in what, four years, Coach? Yeah, that would be the first time in four years for Florida, and they could use it for sure. They're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out. So, you know. Like I said, got to get better better than fourth-string walk-on quarterback play, which is what Stetson Bennett came into the season as. Yeah. He was in, he, he came into camp as a fourth-stringer. And, you know, you, you think you had – I mean, you were wishing that you had JT Daniels healthy at this point. I'm wishing somebody was healthy and playing well. I don't care who it is. I mean, I, I mean, it could be DeJuan Mathis. I don't care. I just We just need better quarterback play. Yeah, you're going to need it against Tennessee because they can put up, some, they can definitely put up some points. So, um, the game of the week, though, where game day is going to be this week is in uh, is in South Bend, Indiana, where number four Notre Dame hosts DJ Uyangalele, aka Big Cinco, in in uh, in the rest of the Clemson Tigers. Um, in an ACC conference battle, it's still so weird to say for Notre Dame uh, because we, you know when you think of the Atlantic Coast, you really think of the South Bend, Indiana. Um, coach, I don't know. I, I don't know what you think about this, but I, I think that in in this game, it's really going to come down to Travis Etienne. Yeah, I mean, it, you know. He's kind of he's a vital role in every game, regardless of whether Sunshine is in there or not. But yeah, it's going to come down to can Clemson sustain a running game? Can they get Etienne involved like they did against BC in the passing game? Can they can they turn him into an absolute weapon <clears throat> of mass destruction and mass touchdowns? And I think they will. I think they can. I, there's there's not a whole lot of teams or individuals that can cover Travis Etienne. Or there's not a whole lot of teams that have had success stopping him either. Um, so I, I think it's um, you know they've got to they've got to get him rolling. They've got to find ways to get him the ball. They got to get him to him in space, and they've got to you know they've been creative thus far at, at getting him involved. And so I, I don't see 
I don't see any reason for there to be any sort of difference now. So, yeah, he's definitely a key for sure. Yeah, I think uh, if he's the key on the Clemson side of the field, you have to say that Ian Book is the key for the Notre Dame side of the field. Notre Dame's running game has been really impressive so far this year, already over 1,300 running yards. And uh, Kieran Williams setting the pace, averaging 100 yards a game with 600 through six games. Um, you know, Tyree Flemister also chipping in. An impressive yard total, and even even Ian Book with 212 rushing yards. But we've seen Clemson shut down many a running games. So Ian Book is going to need to have his arm. And that's how the few times Clemson's lost recently has been really good days by a passing quarterback. And Ian Book's numbers aren't bad this year. They're just not what you really expect with someone with his experience and someone whose talent at times really makes you pop. And he's got 1,200 passing yards. I mean, that's okay. 61% completion rate. It's okay. I mean, we see some of the best be up around 65, even 70%. He's got seven touchdowns. That's, you know, a touchdown a game. Only one pick. But... It just feels like if he does his average numbers, which is about 200 yards and a touchdown, I don't see how that's enough to beat Clemson. I, I really think he needs to have one of those 300, maybe even 350-yard days, about three touchdowns to to get this to work. So I, I really think Ian Book needs to step up and, and play up to his potential against a really good defense. It's not going to be easy, but the staff needs to put in the plays that – put him in the right position, and then he needs to make the best reads possible in a really short amount of time because that's what Clemson does. They get after the quarterback. They're not going to give him much time, so he's going to need to be really decisive with those reads. Yeah, he definitely is, and I'm personally not much of an Ian Book believer, so you know, we'll see. This is, I, I think Notre Dame is a fraudulent number four, Ooh, personally. Wow. Mm. Dang. Dang. We will we shall see on, on Saturday. Well, that's Whatever. Just, that's the same person you were always my favorite host of the show. Well, uh th- th- third party Pergo here thinks that Notre Dame needs to remain a third party and not be in a conference because they don't deserve it. So. Wow. Next you'll yeah. be saying that <laughs> Nebraska and Rutgers and Maryland shouldn't be in the big ten. They shouldn't be. Neither should Penn yeah, State. He's, he's um, he's next, you're going to be saying that Rutgers should be in the Yankee Conference. Uh, no, they should be in the CAA. Um, <laughs> or, or, or maybe the Patriot League. Next, you're going to be saying Louisville should be an independent. <laughs> you know, I, I think that Louisville, West Virginia, Western Kentucky, um, Marshall... Uh, Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina and Middle Tennessee State and (laughs) Vanderbilt should form their own conference. The conference is sucked at you. No, we're we're gonna we're gonna call it the Cumberland Conference. The So basically, Um, you just gave the Chanticleers another conference title. Pretty much. Jesus. Um, Did you include no, Western Kentucky Josh, in that? 
I said Western Kentucky, I and I did, I did not say West Virginia, but they should be in there too. Okay. Josh, what he's going to say is he, while wearing his fun belt, he wants to make the American great again. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. But uh, speaking of uh, independents who are still truly independent, let's talk about the Brigham Young University Cougars. Ooh, yeah. Uh, all they are. They're going to be celebrating this win with Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's got caffeine. You can't. It's got caffeine, dude. You can't do that, man. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna do it. They're gonna be like, no, they're you know, they're they're going for caffeine-free diet coke. Um, they are headed up to Boise, Idaho, in the blue turf to take on the Bronx in a matchup of ranked teams in at uh the secondary big grocery bag Albertson <laughs> Stadium. The big grocery bag is Kroger Field. We all know at Kentucky. The biggest uh, discount grocery bag. But the discount grocery bag at Albertsons yeah. Stadium in Boise, Idaho. Uh, uh, this is going to be this is going to be interesting. Boise State is off to a two and zero start on the season. Uh, the Bronx have already beaten Utah State and Air Force, and you know they're putting up some numbers. They are absolutely putting up uh, some numbers uh, in their. Uh, in their two wins, I mean, 91 points in two games is nothing to sneeze at. But uh, Coach Zach Wilson is is one of the breakout players of the season, and he he along with his favorite target and roommate Dax Milne make for one heck mm-hmm. of a one-two punch there for the Cougs offense. Yeah, and I'm glad you said his name because uh, there's no way I was gonna I, was, I wasn't gonna have a chance on that one. But um, yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson is. Absolutely impressive, you know, six three two ten, um, junior. I think he's, uh, I think he's making himself a lot of money this year. He's already got twenty one hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, and two interceptions. Um, some of the things you said about the Notre Dame, Clemson matchup. I'm going to say about this matchup. I mean, I don't think Boise State's a fraud by any stretch. So don't, 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 uh, don't think I'm saying that. And, uh, but I think BYU is going to win this one big because. They're just explosive, and there's there's not a whole lot of group of five teams that can that can hang with them. The you know a matchup I would love to see for the for the G five national championship, and I think we've talked about having a G five national championship. BYU versus Coastal or BYU versus Cincinnati. Oh my God, flip a coin, I guess, in that scenario. BYU. I would like Coastal. I would like to see a I would like to see a G five uh, four team playoff between BYU, Boise, Coastal, and uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, or or you throw in UCF in there, either you know either either combination. I would love to see. Well, that. I mean, I guess th- this would effectively be a, be a play in game to that. It would be so, but I, I think BYU is going to win win big. They're 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 so explosive. I mean, you you watch them. Uh, they're they're even pretty stingy uh, defensively as well. Thirteen point four points per game. You know that's. That's elite defense level. I mean, they're they're so physical. Uh, Kalani Sataki is, is doing an outstanding job with the Cougs, and ever since they went back to their old school uniforms, they've been they've been incredible, and they've been getting better each and every year. So, you know, this year they're having they're having a magical season. They're three point favorites. I think they're going to cover that, and, and then some. I think this is going to be. You know, I, I think we were setting up last week Cincinnati versus Memphis, and we were setting up this. This like these two really good offenses, and you know you had you know a couple of decent defenses, and we thought you know 
that was going to be like the shootout that that the Memphis U, U, uh, CF game was, and it really wasn't. Cincinnati just came out and torched them because they're on another level, and that's not that's not to discount Memphis because I think Memphis is a great team, uh, but they came out on fire and they torched them, and I think it's a similar deal. You know, no offense to Boise State, I just think they're running into a team that has played seven games so far and is absolutely red hot. And Boise State is just going to bear the brunt of that. And, you know, that's not necessarily fair to judge them based on this game, um, you know, if that if that indeed happens. But, you know, I think if they hang with them, then, then we know what Boise State is and we know they're ready to compete in the big time. If they don't, then we know what this is. You have BYU who's played seven games in his explosive offense and a stingy defense going up against a team that is still just getting warm, warmed up and figuring this whole 2020 thing out. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, BYU, you mentioned Zach Wilson. He's putting up numbers that can get you invited to New York. He's coming off his worst game of the season in which... Well, let's not punish him and make him play for the Giants. (laughs) He's coming off his worst game of the season, which he had 224 passing yards, and they were up 35-3 to at halftime. So he probably didn't get too many second-half reps, which explains his such a paltry passing number there. So BYU, known known entity at 7-0. Boise State, a lot less known at 2-0. What's a little interesting is their Air Force game was closer than expected. And is B- Boise State's defense not as good as we thought this year? Or is it just that Air Force is really good at running the option? Because Air Force had 450 415, excuse me, rushing yards, and 6.3 average. So maybe a little bit of doubt for Boise State defense. And then a quarterback situation, a little weird. So Hank Bachmeyer uh, played the opening day game, was his usual really good self, 268 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And then mysteriously did not, play and was not available for the second game and uh, former USC recruiting coup uh, Jack Sears played great 291 passing yards three touchdowns no pick very first play of the game he had a 75 yard touchdown pass but we don't know what's going on with Bachmeyer we don't know if he's coming back we don't know who the starter is for the BYU game as of recording this Um, that's very disconcerting if you're trying to get ready if you're that Boise State coaching staff wondering who exactly is our starter for a huge, huge game. You're hosting the ninth best team in the country, according to the rankings. Um, You don't get too many ranked teams coming to your place if you're Boise State in the Mountain West. You sure as heck don't get games where the top 10 team is not you. Boise State's been in the top 10 plenty of times. They're hosting a top 10 team, and they're coming in this game with a whole lot of question marks. Yeah, but it's still, at the end of the day, it's still Boise State. And I I have a lot of faith in Boise State, but BYU, man, they are absolutely rolling this year. And if, if, if Zach Wilson does put up big numbers and pull out a Boise State win in this one, I think he can punch his ticket to New York, like you said. 
let's head over then to the Big Ten, where we have a a two and O team and a one and one team that lost to an in-state rival. But it's not who you might imagine because it's Michigan who is coming off of a loss to Michigan State last week. They are headed down to Bloomington, Indiana to take on the Hoosiers, who are ranked number 13, a top 15 Indiana team. I do not remember the last time that happened. Josh, uh, you know, uh, Michael Penix Jr. has had a really nice start to the season, and those Hoosiers are... Uh, you know, have been moving the ball, uh, you know, well enough to score, and their defense is slowing people down. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that Michigan has been putting up some big yards, they still lost to Michigan State last week. So what are you looking towards uh, in, in terms of uh, what is going to be the deciding factor in this game? Well, I'm looking for a couple things. First of all, we've mentioned it before, Michigan plays an extremely aggressive defense by Don Brown, a lot of sacks, or excuse me, a lot of blitzes to try and generate those sacks. They leave a lot of people out on islands. Uh, They do a lot of stuff where they're willing to give up the underneath with the assumption that their team speed will hustle to the ball. And unfortunately, we've seen some teams take advantage of this and put up a lot of points. And one of those teams a few years ago was Indiana. They basically took what Don Brown gave them, which was little three-yard crossing patterns, but then they used nice team speed in their wide receiver group to bust those plays open. I expect Indiana to do the same. I think Indiana can put up points on this team. I mean, they put up points against Penn State. They put up points, obviously, against Rutgers. So that then comes down to, does Michigan get enough offense? They were really unbalanced a week ago. They threw over 50 passes against Michigan State, and they only produced 24 points. So um, if you're a Hoosier fan, you have to be cautiously optimistic. Obviously, the on-paper recruiting talent favors Michigan. Obviously, you have Harbaugh, who's a huge, huge name in the coaching game. There's a reason why Michigan is still favored in this game, even as the lesser ranked team and the road team. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not like it's going to be a cakewalk for Indiana, but there are some things you have to like about the Hoosiers. I think if there's one area that Indiana can hopefully get going and I'm sure they'll try and do this early and often. But Stevie Scott third's a really good running back. He's shown some flashes in his career. Uh, pretty slow start to his season, just 138 rushing yards through two games. So there's something that Indiana's probably hoping to uh, to get a little bit more out of. Um, he, by the way, is coming off 845 yards last year and the year before was a thousand yard back. So his resume indicates that he'll get going here at some point, but I'm really excited by this one. I, my worry as someone who has a soft spot for Indiana because they've been a dormant program for so long, my worry is the Michigan state game refocused the Wolverines and they come out guns blazing. And by the end of the game, we're thinking, wait, why was Indiana ranked? They just lost this game by four touchdowns. What happened? That's my worry. 
yeah, I, I would worry about that as well. Uh, Coach, do you have anything to add here on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is going to be a bounce-back game for the Wolverines. I think, you know, they, they're going to – what we're going to see out of Michigan is I think they're going to be one of those teams in the Big Ten where we're trying to figure them out week in and week out. It's It's the third game of the season, so you have to think that we'll kind of start to see which direction they go. Are they going to be an unbalanced mess on offense again, and are they going to give up big plays, which they probably will. They'll, they'll give up a few. And then this game will, this game will, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll give up right around their average, which is 25 points, 25 and a half points per game. So they'll, they'll, they'll give a, they'll give up around somewhere in that, in that average, if not a, a touch higher. But, you know, offensively, they're just going to have to figure some things out and, and they're going to have to, you know, get the running game involved, get the passing game involved, get, get Milton involved in both, get, you know, just, just be a little bit more, you know, when I say balance, I don't mean like 50% run, 50% pass. I mean, balance, I mean, let's get some of these playmakers the ball. Let's find ways to get guys in space. Let's find ways to create running lanes for Haskins. Let's just find a way to create easy throws for Milton. They've got to get in the rhythm. And if they don't get in a the rhythm, they're going to be discombobulated. When they're discombobulated, then Harbaugh's head's going to explode. And that's not good. So, um, you know, you could either see a Michigan team that melted down against Michigan State, or you're going to see a Michigan team that's going to come out with a vengeance and absolutely put it on Indiana, which, you know, that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Indiana won in a shootout, and it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan really just came out and laid an egg. Nothing would surprise me with this team. Nothing would surprise me with this conference because they're only three games deep, so they're kind of in that weird, like, we don't know who's what yet phase uh, that the SEC went through, that the ACC went through early on. Um, so we're still kind of learning that about the Big Ten. And, you know, I think this is going to be the latest uh, in that saga of just trying to figure out who can do what, when, where, and how. All right. Well, let's finally head over to the Pac-12, which kicks off this weekend, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, the marquee matchup this weekend is Oregon hosting Stanford. Uh, Oregon is actually the odds-on favorite to win the conference, despite the losses of Justin Herbert and others um, to Aber, Justin Aber, Penai Sewell, Javon Holland, to their probably their two best returning players are sitting out because of COVID. Josh, um, you know what do you think is going to happen here in not just this game, but sort of like the Pac-12 overall for the season? Well, you know, we mentioned it kind of at the... Or I should say at least the Pac-12 North. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of mentioned up at the top that this feels like a league that's not going to have a playoff team because there's so many unknowns for the on-paper best teams. So it sort of feels like they're going to beat each other up. Uh, I think Oregon is a favorite in this game for a really clear reason. That is, Stanford offensively was a disaster a year ago um you know god they had a rough stretch down yeah down i mean tail end they lost four yeah in a row. and you know david shaw's a hell of a coach and maybe they do what northwestern did which is have a massive bounce back and get their offense going and surprise a lot of people and start out two and oh but um i i just don't really see it especially in this game um I just think Stanford is low on talent. They, they're having an ebb and flow. 
that usually happens with these programs that have such margins for recruiting. It's not easy to recruit to these academic powerhouses like a Stanford. Not that, you know, not that Oregon's an easy school to get into, but it's a state school versus a private school. Oh, you're, trust me, it's a heck of yeah. a lot easier to get into Oregon yeah. than it is to get into Stanford. I know, but it's not like Oregon's a bad school. I don't I don't want to make it sound like I'm calling Oregon, you know, the poor sisters like uh, the old Ohio State president said. Um, but there is these realities. And um, what we've seen in David Shaw's career is when everything is clicking, they're a damn good football team. But last year, nothing was clicking, and they went 4-8, and 3-6 and six in conference. And, I mean, they got their butts handed to them by some not so good teams. I mean, just look in that final stretch. Washington State beat them 49-22. When's the last time a David Shaw team has lost that badly? So I'm looking for Stanford to have a few steps forward, regain some of my trust in, in Shaw, who we absolutely love. He's one of our favorite coaches. Uh, so I have no doubt that they'll be improved. I just don't think they'll be improved enough to hang with Oregon. Coach, you agree with Josh? Absolutely. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself, to be honest with you. All right. Well, in that case, let's head on over to our spread formations. Last week, as Coach mentioned earlier, he was four and one. I was three and two. Josh, you were two and three on the week. Um, that brings our season totals. Coach, you're still at 15 and 25 on the season, despite back to back four and one weeks. Josh and I are both sitting at 18 and 22 against the spread. We're going to kick this week off. I don't know if I can still save my job yet. I'm, I might be in Gus Miles' in the, territory. Well, we're going to kick this week off in the Big 12. Texas coming off their big win at Oklahoma State heads back to Austin to take on West Virginia. Texas six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Josh, you are back to being up first this week. Who you got? Uh, I'm just going to ignore this game and, and highlight something hilarious. Um, you do realize that Iowa is somehow six-and-a-half-point favorites right now against Michigan State. I saw that. Huh? What? what? What is going on with that? Uh, yeah, is Texas back? Our, our favorite question as my uh, radiator pops. It's that time of year where my radiator starts popping. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, but yeah, Texas looked not great at times against Oklahoma State despite winning. Um, West Virginia is a team that I'll be honest, I have seen next to nothing from i have not watched really much of them but what i do know is they lost to texas tech on the road and texas tech is downright awful so i'm gonna say the longhorns win at home by more than a touchdown coach yeah i mean i don't think texas is back by any stretch but they're back for this week i think they're gonna win somewhat big because West Virginia, for some reason, they can only cover at home. Uh, Texas Tech is spectacularly awful. Uh, they score a lot of points uh, most of the time, like like against Texas, where they scored, I think, 58 points and so lost. That was a, that was a mini Tessator, to say that. Yeah. How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? But <laughs> No, I'm taking the Longhorns in this one. I think they cover at home uh, against the Mountaineers. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, West Virginia is a completely different team on the road than they are at home. Uh, at home, they're unbeatable. On the road, they can't win. So, uh, give me the Longhorns by uh, give me the Longhorns by ten on this one. Uh, we're gonna head back to the Big Ten for the next one, uh, where Minnesota, coming off of an embarrassing loss, quite frankly, against Maryland, uh, has to tre- head over to Champaign. The Golden Gophers, seven point favorites on the road. Josh, who do you like? Well, Illinois is always the team to get right against. However, Minnesota's defense has been atrocious this year, and Illinois played really good against Purdue. They outgained them. Their backup quarterback, who came in because their starter was out for COVID, had 295 passing yards on 20 of 33, uh, 177 rushing yards, and a pretty respectable four yards per carry. How'd they lose this game? Well, they did like a dumb team does, and that's have a bunch of turnovers. They had four turnovers. I think if they keep it clean, Illinois might actually be able to win this game. And thanks to that awful defense for the Gophers, I think Illinois can actually hang around. They might not win it, but I think they keep it closer than a touchdown. Cooch. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you, Matt, uh, Josh, uh, because I, I think – they're due. I think Minnesota is, I think Tanner Morgan is, is, is due for, for a breakout. I think Ibrahim is going to uh, do his thing. I think Bateman is going to have a big game. And I think this offense is going to break out in a big way. I think they're going to figure out that, oh, we can't play much defense. So <laughs> let's just get in a rhythm on offense and let's just get in shootouts with teams where we have to, you know, getting to a scoring fest. So I think that's going to be the route they're going to have to take. And they're going to, uh, they dirt, they certainly have the firepower to do so on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's how it shakes out. I think they win, they cover, and uh, the Gophers are one and two after next week. Uh, I'm with Coach on this one. I I, I like Minnesota to get back on, uh, a get off the schneid, I should say. In in this one, I think that they'll be able to throw against uh, an Illinois secondary that is not uh, the greatest. That gave up uh, a ton of yards to Graham Mertz in his first ever start. Um, the next game I want to get to is the biggest spread I've uh, one of the biggest spreads I've seen on the season. The University of Massachusetts, the Minutemen, mm-hmm. uh, gents, uh, they uh, are back in action uh, this week, and they are headed down to Marshall. Now, UMass has played one game so far this season. They've uh, got a three-game schedule so far. Yeah, well, they, they they lost their first game to Georgia Southern, forty-one to nothing, on that one, and that was uh, that that was two weeks ago, uh, and they are playing at Marshall this week, and they are, drumroll please, forty-four and a half point dogs at Marshall <laughs> this weekend, not just at Marshall at at number sixteen Marshall, Josh, well, who do you like? Marshall's gonna win big. But the problem is Marshall is more of a stifling defensive team. If you look at their scores this year, their marquee win against App State, 17-7. Their marquee win against Louisiana Tech, 35-17. They just held FAU to a long day on offense, held the Owls to just nine points. I don't think Marshall plays the style of football that really warrants these big of an up, 
these big of a spread. They are a defensive-minded team. They are running the ball fairly well. Um, they're not an, a terribly explosive, dominant offense still with a young quarterback and Grant Wells. So I take Marshall to win. I take Marshall to win big, but I think it's more realistic to say like 31 nothing instead of covering this 40-point spread. Go big or go home, right? <laughs> So give me Marshall forty five. Oh, they're going to take UMass at an upset. <laughs> UMass outright. <laughs> no, give me give me Marshall forty five to Marshall wants to prove that they are uh, that they deserve that number sixteen ranking. Marshall hangs half a hundred on the hapless Minutemen. Ooh, wow! And I've got I've got Marshall winning this one fifty two to three. Nice. You know, I had a girlfriend that used to call me the Minutemen. <laughs> She was being generous. <laughs> That's not a good thing. What? It's not a race to see who gets done first. <laughs> <laughs> Your gold medalist, Usain Bolt. <laughs> Josh, Josh finishing in nine point six eight seconds. Is that what we're going for here? Um, next, let's head back over to the American Conference, where uh, Southern Methodist University, aka SMU, pony up. Uh, with the best uniforms in college football and mm-hmm. uh, a quarterback with one of the best arms in college football, Shane Bouchelle, uh, they get to head up to the city of brotherly love uh, where they'll still probably be counting votes um, <laughs> in, in, on, uh, on Saturday. They'll, they'll be getting pelted with snowballs and cheese and batteries and, and, and batteries and, uh, and booing Santa Claus. They're headed up. They are 17 and a half point favorites on the road at temple. Josh, who do you like? Well, you know, SMU had a rash of injuries, and then they got blown out by Cincinnati, and I honestly got a little worried about this team. I was like, how do they bounce back? Well, they bounced back by absolutely obliterating Navy. Uh, 51-37, and even that score got as close as it did thanks to a fourth-quarter rally of 20 points by Navy to close the gap. Um, Temple, meanwhile nightmarish start to the season they're one in three their only win has been over that god awful south florida team they just got their butts handed to them 38 to 3 by the green wave i'm taking smu to cover this spread pony excess baby and when i say pony excess i mean they're going to excessively run up the score on temple (laughs) Uh, i'm taking i'm taking the ponies here Shane Bouchelle is going to have a huge day, and uh, you're going to see that score and go, oh, my. I got, I, I got one word. I have two words. One of them has an apostrophe. Giddy up. <laughs> Ponies all day. Finally. Does giddy up have an apostrophe? I don't know. It probably doesn't. I it, it, It's lit. Paul, does giddy up have an apostrophe? Uh, Paul does. Um, Paul, Paul, Paul. First time, long time. <laughs> Uh, let's finish this game off. Uh, finish this game off. Let's finish this show off with uh, the the uh, with the weekly guess the guess the Kansas line. Kansas only thirty eight point underdogs in Norman, Oklahoma this weekend. Josh, uh, Boomer Sooner. <laughs> well, Oklahoma State's coming off their most impressive win, sixty two twenty eight over that. 
just dreadful. I feel like I've said that now about 10 times. There are some really bad teams this year. It's uh, still true. Yeah, Texas Tech, awful. Um, look, I gave Kansas a little bit of love a week ago. I said they would lose big, but not lose by bad enough to Iowa State. And what they do? They gave up two touchdowns in three drives, in three plays, excuse me, to get obliterated by Iowa State. They've given up 50 points in back-to-back games. Their defense is an absolute sieve, and they're facing an Oklahoma team that's just now starting to heat up. Oklahoma covers. Yeah, until Kansas proves they can cover a big spread, uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to pick against them. Um, you know, they uh, <laughs> they didn't disappoint me last week. So um, if I go four and one thanks to Kansas, then so be it. Give me give me the Sooners to roll. Give me Lincoln Riley or give me death. <laughs> wow. Okay. There, there's a uh, suspect coach to ride or die with. Uh, when it comes to Big 12 games, it's not. Um, I mean, yeah, they haven't had the best season this year, but like they're going to. Give me less miles or give. Oh, wait. Less miles might be dead by the time you hear this podcast. <laughs> did he get COVID? I thought he got COVID. He did get COVID. He got yeah. COVID. Yeah, there you have it. He invented COVID. He's treating it with uh, grass and plenty of rest. And hydroxychloroquine. Grass and fertilizer. And hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> well, I think that is going to... It's a tremendous drug. <laughs> I think that's going to wrap it up for our, our Week 10 preview, uh, unless you guys have anything to add. We we gave Arkansas so much love the last few shows, and then we buried the lead again on them. They host Tennessee. Both teams, 2-3. and three. Overall, obviously two and three in conference. Tennessee. Vegas has them as basically yeah, a pick em. Yeah, Tennessee's 1. a pick them. One, one and a half as coach said. This game's going to be fun. I think that uh, think that the growth that we've seen Arkansas have in just five games under a new regime is honestly more impressive than I think Jeremy Pruitt's done so far. Oh, uh, far and away. Tennessee. For the love of God, just get your freshman quarterback in there. He's got a free year. You're not wasting anything. Just get him in there and see what the kid can do. Your team sucks anyway. What's going to hurt? But if you're a Hogs fan, this is definitely going to be fun. So, Mitch, this this game's going to be fun. Hopefully it's it's fun. With with rebuilding programs, we're always worried about the one step forward, two step backs. But hopefully good things for Arkansas. The other thing, Matt, we, we didn't talk about it, but uh, Wisconsin is at least scheduled to play Purdue. Uh, do you think that game actually happens? Um, I mean, Barry Alvarez will have had a conference, a press conference by the time that you hear this podcast. Barry Alvarez have a conference on Tuesday to let people know about the state of the game. <sighs> I'm going to say no. Ooh. I'm, I, I don't think. I mean, Wisconsin's COVID cases increased from just a, a handful at uh, at the beginning of last week to 12 by midweek to 22 by Saturday. Uh, the state of Wisconsin, Dane County in particular, where Madison is, has uh, the highest, one of the highest infection rates in the country. And it's not looking good, honestly. So uh, I'm going to say there will be no Wisconsin-Purdue game this weekend. Interesting, interesting. I have a, a, a conspiracy theory, Matt. What's that? Um. So, even though Madison has a really high 
rate of COVID and there's an outbreak going in the entire state. I kind of have a feeling Wisconsin football didn't take it too seriously. Cause um I guess the the you know, this is very prejudicial on my part, but I feel like the Venn diagram of uh people from Wisconsin who are football meatheads who spent their entire life chewing tobacco and the circle of people taking COVID seriously and wearing their masks at all time. I don't think that Venn diagram overlaps with Paul Christ in the middle. I have a feeling Paul Christ was leaning towards COVID as a hoax and we're not going to get infected by it. So I, I, I mean, Paul Christ is an avid grizzly tobacco chewer. Um, I, I know for a fact he's a grizzly wintergreen man. Um, but I do believe that he he does take the pandemic seriously, even though he now has it. I mean, I've never talked to him. I don't know the man's opinions on anything. I just, like I said, I'm being prejudicial. I probably I, I I've I've shook hands and exchanged pleasantries with him once. Um, at at a Trump a, rally. Think, <laughs> no, it, it, it was at a Holiday Inn. Uh, can you believe this guy uh, no it was at a Holiday Inn when he was the OC at Wisconsin uh, I'm, I'm, that explains a lot I met him oh, I, he, he stayed at the Holiday Inn that's, that's what Brian Ferentz is doing he's staying at the Holiday Inn Express and thinks he's an offensive coordinator I met him and Barry Alvarez in the same day um, oh, my, oh my god you can't make this up and I I I, I do believe that, call, that Paul Chris does take it seriously uh, I hope I'm wrong. Let me just say I, that. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, 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 do, I, I do think you're wrong here because I, yeah. I do believe that Paul Chris is someone who does take it seriously right. and understands. Um, like I said, I've, you know, I was being prejudicial. I was taking a guy based on where he was born and the optics of him and, you know. And, and, and the mouth tobacco use. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, yeah. I was casting aspersions. I'll be the first to admit it. It's okay. Um, I don't want to cast no spoilers here, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, like it's it, it, it's rough out there, man. It's really rough out there. You get the combination of people from backwoods Wisconsin plus uh, plus college kids, and it is just it, it, it's it, it's the worst possible combination when it comes to COVID. And COVID. It's, you know, I mean, it, it's the reason that, like, you know, entire colleges, campuses have been shut down and stuff like that. So, well, I, I mean, I just, you just think about college in general and take a much less serious disease than COVID. I mean, think about how many people have gotten mono in college and in those dorms and just when disease is running rampant. It's, I thought you were going to say, think how many people got chlamydia. So, I mean, you must be I speaking mean, from personal experience. I did not know a single person. Hey, I'm clean, man. I am clean. My test came back with, you know, I, I you know, in, in the words of Chris Rock, I took my AIDS test, passed it, got a 65. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt's personal motto chlamydia free since 2013. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh Lord, we've been recording for two and a half hours. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's gonna wrap it up. Like you should be doing if you are in college. Uh, 
Oh Don't be fooled, right? <laughs> We've gone so far off the rip. This this might be our worst <laughs> vamping yet at the end of an episode. We do not know you how mean, to tie these up in any way. Uh, you mean best. Um, so um, She's going to get our highest rating. By the way, anyone find it very strange that Ohio State Rutgers doesn't have a spread on it still? Actually, a little bit, yeah. Really waiting for I mean, I, 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 I think I, I'd put it at Ohio State 29 and a half. Ooh. It's a nice one. It's a nice that's, one. It's a, a good spread. I feel like I, I feel like it should. I feel like it should be. Are you on? Are you on? Um, Josh, are you on on the on the ESPNs? I am. For that, yeah. For that, for, for that line, because our uh, our our special sponsor, where I'm getting all of our lines now from these days over at Bet Online. They got one they, posted. Um, I believe that they do actually. Nice. Um, they have oh they have Ohio State minus thirty seven. There we go. Ooh, that's a big one. Mm. That is a big one. Correct. Like I'm Greg Schiano knows that system. He'll he'll be chopping some wood. Uh, he will be. Oh, he 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 likes to chop wood. Um, so uh, also Vanderbilt uh is playing at Mississippi State this weekend. The matchup of the two worst teams in the SEC. Mississippi State is still favored by 19 and a half. That's hilarious. Oh, uh, real, real quick. I know we're doing our end of show vamping, which our listeners, I'm sure, just absolutely love. Uh, one game we did not talk about that is uh, intriguing to me, at least. Four and two, NC State hosting five and one Miami. Maybe a little upset potential there. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Mississippi State, by the way, is a 19.5 point favorite, despite having com- scored a combined 16 points in the last three games. <laughs> uh, is that not good? <laughs> and since their win at LSU in the first game of the season, they scored a total of 30 points on the season. Well done. Mm. Is that bad? It ain't good. It's, it's not good. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here this evening. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. This is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.